How many brought your Bible today? Okay, or your phone, or your iPod, or your, or your uh, whatever you, you carry the Bible around on these days. Uh, let's go to two openings this morning, Romans chapter 1 and 2 Corinthians 5. Romans chapter 1, 2 Corinthians 5, and let's pray. Father, we thank you today for this time we have together now. We believe that you're doing a work in our hearts and in our lives. Our minds are being renewed, our bodies are being kept in control, and Lord, you're helping us to, to rise up and live the life of faith, and we thank you for revelation now. The more we understand, the more we can walk in this great, amazing covenant that you've uh, made available to us. Thank you for your blessings now in Jesus' name. Amen. There we go. Romans 1, verse 17 says, For in it the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith, as it is written, the just shall live by faith. Let's say that together. The just shall live by faith. Say it again. The just shall live by faith. And then 2 Corinthians 5 and verse 7 says, For we walk by faith, not by sight. Say that with me. For we walk by faith, not by sight sight. The New International Version reads this way, we live by faith, not by sight. The uh, New Living Translation reads, for we live by believing, not by seeing. Is anybody interested in learning some more today about living by faith? Uh, We've been on this subject for the last couple of months by the Lord's direction and He's helping us. I'm glad the Lord is helping me to see more and to understand more about the faith walk, about the faith life. Because I know that everything that I receive from Him, from day one when I got saved till day <laughs> ad infinitum, uh, God's a faith God. I'm a faith child of a faith God. (laughs) It's the way that He wants me to live. And so I I must understand these principles to get anything from Him. And of course, as we shared with you before, also to resist and to be able to repel the attacks that come against us. Faith is the key, and it's the key to victory in all these areas of life. And so the life of faith, this is vital for us to know, the life of faith is one of profound dedication to God. It is, it is, it lives to see his purposes established in the earth. And I say that to basically go against the thought, the notion that when a person lives a life of faith, we're just kind of a, it's almost like a show off. Like we're trying to make things happen and look what I can do with my faith. Look what I can produce with my faith and, and, and look what, look what I have received. No, It's a dedication to the Lord that says, I want God's will. I want His plan. I want His purposes to be um, established in the earth and in my life. And the life of faith is to that end. Not for any showboating. Not for any, look what I've got, look how many notches are on my faith belt. uh, uh, Or anything of that nature. But 
we live to do His will. But uh, some have, I don't know, it almost seems like the faith life is more like a magician. Look what I can do. You know, look what I can perform. And our focus ought to be, really, if you were just cut to the chase, our focus is on enforcing the victory that Jesus provided for us. Jesus finished the work through his death, burial, and resurrection, and now he says to you and to me, enforce it. Because how many know the way this world works, the way the devil works, is he will ignore the law. He will ignore spiritual reality when it pertains to our lives if we don't enforce it. It's, like, it's, it's kind of like the reason we have the guys driving around in the black and white cars. I mean, can't you just give us all a copy of the law and call it good? You know, the laws of the land. <laughs> well, how many know there would be a whole lot of chaos? Right? There's a bit of chaos anyway. <laughs> but something keeps us driving the speed limit. What is that? <laughs> well, <laughs> that's those pretty lights. <laughs> and those cars, and that, you know. What I'm talking about. In other words, there are those here to enforce the law, and that makes people, for the most part, comply with the law. What about the enemy? I'm telling you, he will clean your clock. He will run you over, mess up your physical body, put you in the poorhouse, destroy your marriage, mess up your kids, mess with your mind, give you no hope for a better future if you let him. Absolutely. But what are we called to do? Enforce what Jesus has already accomplished for us through the cross and through his resurrection. Amen. But if we don't enforce it, if we don't learn to live and take what we can't see and enforce it by faith, we will get run over because the enemy will act like nothing's done. He'll act like he's still in charge, like he's still got the keys, keys to the castle, right? But he doesn't. You do. I do. And so we've got to live this thing. That's why faith is so vital from beginning to end. God has always been a faith God. And I know he has no end, but you know what I'm saying. God is a faith God, and we are to live this way. But those who live by faith must recognize what they can do, what's on the table. But watch this. We also must recognize what we can't do. This is also a vital component to our uh, life of faith. You might recall Mark chapter 9 and verse 23, where Jesus said to a particular person, he said, if you can believe, all things are possible to him who believes. Now that's quite a statement, that all things are possible. But what's the last part? To him who believes believes. Let me ask you, the, ask you a question. Are all things possible? Well, it has to be put in context. All things are possible to him who believes. What? To him who believes all things. In other words, faith makes everything available makes everything possible. But 
Now, I'm not watering down the scripture here, but we've got to take things contextually. If I don't believe something, it is not possible for me. Now, now here's, here's where, where we live. I don't believe everything. Some things I'm not supposed to believe <laughs> because it's not really in the arena of life that God has called me to. And some things I have the potential to believe, but honestly, I just don't right now. Therefore, the reality of my life and of all of our lives is some things are out of reach. Some things are supposed to be out of reach, and some things are just out of reach today. And I want to explain this a little bit further. So we, what we want to do is avoid calling things attainable and possible and calling things faith that are not. Therefore, when I do things that I am supposed to do, when I approach things that are on the table, I'm successful every time. And I don't think, I, and I don't have this 20% success rate or something. Because that's damaging. And really, that will keep going down and down and down if you're trying to, uh, to approach life and use your faith for things that are not really on the table. Here's one example of things that I am, I am limited in when it comes to my faith life. Other people. I cannot just force what I want on somebody else. Even if the Lord promised it, even if it's for their good and for their benefit, I can't make anyone do anything. And sometimes people feel like they're failing, like they have, uh, there's something wrong in their faith walk because they prayed for someone and that person didn't change. They prayed for someone to receive something and they didn't get it. But you know that that's no indication necessarily that the prayer was doing something wrong. In fact, many times, if we are those with the heart of God to reach other people, we are going to be persuading and praying and convincing and twisting if we have to, uh, twisting of arms and doing things to try to help and make other people's lives better, and they're going to resist it. There's going to be some of that. But you know what? That's nothing wrong with the one trying to help. It's just God will honor people's decisions. He will honor people's choices. And should we stop? Absolutely not. But we should know that our faith is limited when it comes to just making something happen in another person's life. We talk about salvation because we pray for lost people around here all the time. And you know what? Some of them are getting saved. And you know what? Some of them are stiffening their neck. Some of them are resisting. Does that mean our, there's anything wrong with our prayer? No, it just means we're limited in that regard. What are we going to do? We're going to keep praying for them. All we're doing is kind of pulling the veil back, opening the door so the light of the gospel comes, and then they see it and say, yes or no. And if they say no, they're close the door back again, then here we are. I'm going to open it back up again. And every day of your life, the door's going to be open, and someone's going to bug you with the gospel, Right? But ultimately, we can't make them get saved. The same thing is true when it comes to you're praying for someone, you want to see them healed, you want to see them set free physically. If they don't want it, you can't make them have it. Your faith cannot override them. You need at, at minimum, at minimum, you need, um, you need them to allow you. You need permission. 
at, at best, you have agreement and cooperation, and then you can get things done. But my, again, I should understand some of the limitations and what I can do for somebody else. People act the fool. People yield to demons. People have hitchhikers, you know. They, they're carrying them around, and we say, I'm going to cast a demon out of you. Not if they, not if they like their demon. <laughs> If they like yielding to that spirit and that attitude and, 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 uh, and, and different forces, they're going to. Sometimes uh, people have gotten into an area when it comes to another person's will, even concerning, you know, positive things, but, you know, like the, the single person who wants to get married. And uh, we'll say it's a guy because I can relate to that. And he wants to he sees some good-looking thing walk through the door he says praise God look what the Lord has done <laughs> and uh, you know maybe he he meets her and he he decides she is all I want and she is the one and so he starts believing God for her <laughs> believing God for her. he he said Lord that's my wife I want you to give her to me so I can marry and he claims this person is that faith that's not. Because what if she's saying, Lord, make this guy go away? <laughs> Which one's the Lord going to answer here? See, our faith when it comes to the will of another person is limited. Some people, in calling it faith because of their lack of understanding, have actually got over into kind of, it's like witchcraft. It, it, it's manipulation. It's trying to force somebody else into a particular mold force somebody else into doing something that's not what the gospel's about at all if that were so the lord would force all of us to be el perfecto right and do just like him and everybody gets saved but the lord doesn't do that can a single person believe god can they use their faith for a spouse absolutely but how many know you got to kind of leave that open-ended and when she walks through the door you're going woo, and you're saying lord is she the one <laughs> and then eventually you get you ask her too. <laughs> See what she thinks. And then if there's agreement all around, <laughs> then go for it. But you don't claim a specific person. You just claim the promise, right? And you lay hold of what, what the Lord has provided for you. Uh, you know, years ago, there was, there were some people who got a hold of this whole, uh, you know, faith message and authority of the believer in the name of Jesus. And, and they started casting the calories out of their food. And uh, you didn't know you could do that? You can't. <laughs> but, you know, when you, you find out there's power in my words, and so, they, you know, you get the big pizza and praise God, load it up. Before you eat, though, you remove everything harmful. <laughs> Only takes a few days to figure out that didn't work. <laughs> Lord, help us. But you see... Uh, even though it's silly to most of us, hopefully a lot of us, <laughs> when we endeavor to ep exercise faith and operate in faith in areas that are not really in the realm of our faith, that's not what the Scripture's saying, all things are possible. That's not what we're supposed to do, okay? Uh, you know, some people have, um, in regards to children, married couple. They say, you know, we're not going to use any birth control. We're just going to trust the Lord. We're just going to do this by faith. Um, no, 
you're going to have a lot of children, <laughs> a lot of kids, and don't blame God. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about. All right. Why? Well, because that's not really an issue of faith. That's an issue of biology. <laughs> that's an issue of God made things to work a certain way, and if you don't do something to stop that, you know, that's how the earth was replenished. <laughs> Amen. I mean, right at the same time, others have, have said, uh, I've heard married couples say, you know, we're just, as far as, you know, how many children are you going to have? Uh, well, we're just leaving it in the hands of the Lord. Well, that's not in the hands of the Lord. Everybody with me now? He gave certain of these decisions, he gave them to us, and we decide what we're going to do, what we're not going to do. I mean, I'm a, I'm a praying guy. I believe in being led by the Spirit. Can you pray about that? Yes. But if you, if you pray and the Lord says, populate, <laughs> you still have to do something, Right? We still must work with the system, the natural laws that govern uh, our human race, and not just call it faith just because we didn't do something. I'm just believing God. That's not believing God. And by calling it that, you're going to damage your ability to believe when it's necessary. When it is the right thing to believe, it's going to hinder your faith life. Living by faith does not mean we ignore natural laws. How many know we still need to sleep? We still need to have nutrition and exercise your body requires something to live on this earth it's not that i can just ignore all that stuff and just say i'm just living by faith i'm going to make my good confession and move along no 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 these things are designed to co-op to operate in connection with what uh, God created to work in the natural realm. And we overcome the junk and the curse and the attack and all the things, but it doesn't mean that we ignore that we have a body. It works certain ways. Amen. You know, if uh, you want to prosper financially, how many know you can't ignore wise financial principles? You can't just say, well, I'm just going to give my tithe and, uh, and everything's going to come in. Well, you should do that, but if you blow your money... And if you make poor investment choices and just buy everything your eyes can see, that's a hindrance to what God wants to do for you. See, we want to say, well, I'm just believing. These things all work together. Following the wisdom of God in the Word of God is living by faith. If someone is a parent and they have children and, and they say, I'm just going to believe that my kids are all going to grow up and be obedient and be well-mannered and be uh, studious and be well-disciplined and, 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 and have a lot of good character traits. Fine, believe that. Pray that. Say that. But don't ignore biblical parenting principles because that is the faith life. It's not that when we live by faith, we just override the whole system of everything we do in life, and now my words just govern everything I do. The faith life is a complete package. What has God said to me about what I should do with my time, do with my marriage, do with my kids, do with my body, do with my whatever, my finances? What does the Word say I should do? That is living by faith, not just, I'm trusting God, you know, I make my good confession and everything's okay. 
Anybody having fun yet? Let's go to Acts chapter 17. Acts 17. See, faith can do anything. But the question is, what do you specifically believe? And I understand this. There are certain things that it's not really possible for me to believe. Certain things God has not made available for me to exercise faith in. I shouldn't bother. I shouldn't try. Because, again, that just damages me when it comes to my real life. The things that do pertain to me. The things that God has provided me. I want to be able to act uh, appropriately in regards to that. When it comes to the call of God, think about that for a moment. How many know that's something that's determined by the Lord and not by us? I didn't, I didn't uh, sit down in my chair and get in my living room one day and say, Lord, I believe that I'm a pastor. I believe I, I, believe I receive pastoral anointing. You know what I'm talking about? I believe I receive a ministry gift so I can be in the ministry. No, no, that's determined by God. Now, I have to get in cooperation with him, but if someone isn't called by God to do something, they're not supposed to try to do it. They're not supposed to try to believe to do it. Exercise faith. Some things are determined by him. If he wants you to do it, then giddy up and do it. Again, we're talking about we are committed and consecrated to the will of God. Lord, your plan being established in the earth and in my life. In Acts 17, Paul was preaching at Athens. I just want to jump right out of the middle, in the middle of this, and pick out verse 26. It says, And he has made from one blood every nation of men to dwell on all the face of the earth, and has determined their pre appointed times and the boundaries of their dwellings. Look at, look at that language. God has predetermined some things, and He has set boundaries in some areas. What if I want to believe for something on the outside of that boundary? I'm wasting my time. There are certain things that God has called us to do, called us to be, and uh, within the realm of that, exercise your faith. Walk by faith. Live by faith. But certain things really just don't pertain to us. They, don't, they might pertain to one person, but not another. God has just placed them in a different place. I don't know if this uh, would mean anything to, to if this w- w- would help, but I think it's interesting that the times when we read about Jesus speaking to the storm, remember he was and the disciples caught a couple different times in the midst of a storm. And Jesus would speak to the storm, peace, be still. And he basically exercised authority over the weather. And it changed. And, and I believe in that. Absolutely. Uh, God has given us authority in the earth. Okay. But it's interesting. I never read about Jesus hearing of a storm a couple hundred miles away. And he spoke to it. I never read about Jesus just really taking a consensus of global weather and speaking to the weather conditions in various parts of the world. You say, well, he couldn't have known. Okay, by the Spirit then. (laughs) But it seemed like he dealt and he operated and had authority primarily where he was. Things that pertain to his life. 
And sometimes people are endeavoring to use their faith for all kinds of stuff that doesn't pertain to them. And it's not within the sphere of, uh, of the boundaries of which God placed them. Deal with what's before you. Deal with the things that concern your life. There you can have victory. There you can have success and see God's promises come to pass. I don't mean don't deal with people other than yourself. But again, we know that I'm, my faith is not damaged if they don't fully agree or receive. I'm doing the best I can for them. God will honor their faith, but I am a helper of their faith, of their joy, for by faith they stand. Okay? And so, again, could faith, now just the, just the, uh, the ability to believe, could faith put a trillion dollars in your pocket and a new planet in the sky? <laughs> well, listen, God created by faith. He spoke. He believed what he said, and poof, things happened. And the worlds were created, and here we are by God's faith. He spoke things to that degree into existence. So faith inherently has no limits. The possibility is vast. But what do I believe? God has not placed it in the sphere of my life that I'm going to be creating new planets. So I'm not trying. Say, could you believe for a trillion dollars? Well, you want to ask me today? No. I don't. I mean, I haven't believed for a billion yet. Why do I say that? Watch what you're using your faith on. Why go after stuff that's just, yes, is it in the realm of possibility? Absolutely. For me right now, no. So I'm not going to damage my own faith, my own heart, by trying to just go out there, believe for great things, and I'm believing that God's going to give, you know, this something to me. And I've never even approached anything close to it. The question is, do you believe that? Could God give you a trillion dollars? Of course he could. Do you believe it? Probably not. <laughs> Don't pray for it. Say, I can pray for anything. You can. You can pray all your life too. <laughs> but what can you believe? That's a good question. What do you believe today? What of what God has promised, what of what he has said, do you believe that, man, I'm going to pray for that. I'm going to ask for that. It's going to come to pass in my life. Go for that. Let's develop. Let's strengthen ourselves. Um, amen. Again, it's not only important that we know what we're supposed to believe, but what we're not supposed to believe for. Uh, we want to avoid what might be called a faith failure or just things aren't working. What did God not promise? If it comes to my well-being, if it comes to my uh, needs being met, if it comes to my body, my, you know, if it comes to things like that, or in the scope of what God has assigned me to do on the earth, you know what? I'm going to believe God, and I'm going to get the victory, and I'm going to have this thing, and I'm going to see God's miracle power uh, demonstrated in my life. But if it's not within that realm, why am I wasting time? Amen. Why am I wasting time casting out the calories? <laughs> see, faith is not a substitute for everything else. I don't have to do anything now. 
I don't have to, <laughs> I don't have to do what everyone else on the planet has to do. I don't have to um, have any kind of personal discipline or dedication or commitment or faithfulness or, or education or anything else. I'm just going to speak. Really? Is that what God meant? Is that what he meant by the faith life? Just do nothing and talk. I don't think so. I don't think that's what he had in mind. I don't use my faith for some, something I saw in a movie, you know. We're, we're superheroes now. We're gonna, I believe I'm going to fly. You're not. You're grounded. Uh, you know, I don't see, you know, it's, it's not magic. It's not like some Harry Potter thing. You know, we see something they made in Hollywood and it was amazing. We think, I can do that by faith. Well, no, you can't. That's not what, we're enforcing the victory that Jesus provided. And it, it is wonderful. It's more than we could ever ask or think. It is a full, satisfying, healthy, long life full of God's blessing and the satisfaction that comes to us by helping another person. This is the life of faith. This is that, what we're supposed to be consumed with in our lives his will and helping others we don't use our faith for the lottery i'm believing i'm winning, gonna win the lottery no you don't you don't have you have zero faith for that well that was quiet <laughs> you don't have a promise about those kind of things well god will god bless you absolutely you can stand on scriptures all over the place for that win the lottery hmm we're setting ourselves up for failure, damaging ourselves. People of faith are busy people. They're not just sitting around doing nothing. People of faith all through the Bible are those who accomplished great things. And uh, they're people of action, not passive, not just letting life happen around them. Uh, maybe you've heard that there are three kinds of people in the world. There are those that make things happen. There are those that watch things happen. There are those that wonder what happened. Yeah. Right? How many know as faith people, we should be those who make things happen? But we should be very specific in what we're endeavoring to get done in the earth. What are you doing today that could not be done without the intervention of God? We call ourselves faith people, but if God were to disappear... Assuming that our, you know, we know our lives are even sustained by His existence, but uh, assuming that we could all exist without Him, would anything be different in our lives? If God were to stop intervening in your life, what, what could you continue doing without Him? Hmm. I mean, it's a challenging thought to ask myself, am I really accessing the supernatural intervention, provision, and power of God in my life? Or am I just living like my neighbor who's not even saved? And sometimes, you know, when it comes to this, people will, I think it does us, it does harm when we call things miracles that aren't. Well, you can call something a blessing. But too often people are saying, oh yeah, God did this for me. And the same thing happened for their atheist neighbor. You know, it's like I found a hundred bucks in my pocket. It's a miracle. No, you lost that last year. And you finally got that jacket out again, and there it is. That's not a miracle. 
Huh? Let's not act like it is. Now, be thankful. Or if you were praying, Lord, where's that 100 bucks? He said, look in the pocket. Well, that's supernatural. You know what I'm saying? But I want to keep things straight in my own mind so I can understand what's of God, what's of not. Listen, getting someone saved, you know that's supernatural? That is a miraculous, supernatural intervention of God. No one can change spiritually without the power of God. So if you've ever led someone in the Lord, uh, led someone to the Lord, you know the answer to this question. Man, I am doing some things by faith. Yeah. It's a powerful thing. It's a wonderful thing. Let's, uh, let's look at one more place before we finish up here today. That's 1 Samuel chapter 17. First Samuel 17. Many of you know the story of what was transpiring here, and we won't take time to read it. There's a whole couple sermons in here, I think, if we were to go through it little by little. But this is the story of David and Goliath. Anybody ever heard the story of David and Goliath? All right. A few of you have. The armies of the Philistines were set against the armies of Israel, and they're set in, you know, they're in battle position, and they have this guy, this champion soldier of theirs named Goliath. Uh, many historical accounts will say that the dude was almost 10 feet tall. I mean, he's massive, this guy Goliath, and he's out there in all his armor and all his stuff, and he would come out there. He did this for 40 days. He came out twice a day and started mocking them. He'd stand out there and try to get someone to come out and fight him. He'd call him a sissy and every other name in the book, and, and uh, I added that part, but, you know, uh, you know, he would mock their God and all kinds of stuff, and they were afraid. I mean, this guy was huge. This guy was massive. And they were afraid of him. And then one day, you know the story, of, uh, David came to the camp to bring his brother some cheese and stuff. Cheese and crackers, I guess. And, uh, uh, and David was, we believe, just a teenager and just a small guy. His Bible said he was good looking and he didn't look like a warrior. <laughs> didn't look like a mighty man. And, uh, and he came out there and he hears what's going on. And he hears about the rewards that are going to be given to the person who knocks the giant out. And, uh, you know, no taxes, get to marry the king's daughter, all this good stuff. And, uh, and he starts making statements himself about this guy who's defying the armies of the living God, this uncircumcised Philistine. And he makes some bold statements over and over. Word gets back to King Saul, and he said, I want to see him. And David goes before the king. And, of course, they're all questioning. I mean, you look at Goliath, and then you look at David. I mean, physically speaking, this is no match. This is foolishness. This doesn't make any sense at all. But David had some experience with God. Naturally speaking, you don't take this challenge. You say, uh-huh, you win by default. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? You're not going to fight someone in that situation. But he knew God, and that changed everything. Let's just read a couple verses here. 1 Samuel 17, verse 34. But David said to Saul, your servant used to keep his father's sheep. And when a lion or a bear came and took a lamb out of the flock, I went out after it and struck it and delivered the lamb from its mouth. And when it arose against me, I caught it by its beard and struck it and killed it. Your servant has killed both lion and bear, and this uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them, seeing he has defiled the armies of the living God. 
Verse 37, moreover, David said, the Lord who delivered me from the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear, he will deliver me from the hand of this Philistine. Saul said to David, go and the Lord be with you. Okay. Now you, th you think about how we know and how we remember David. All across the world, people know the story. In, in the church, out of the church, people know the story of David and the bear, right? You know that story, David and the bear. You didn't read that to your kids growing up? And what about David and the lion? You know David and the lion. That story, David and the lion? No, people know about David and Goliath. But how many know that wasn't the first story? That wasn't the first battle. That wasn't the first time David trusted God. And he went out there and did something supernatural with God's hand. You see, killing a lion and a bear, he wasn't with a rifle there. I mean, that was a, he, he stated, the Lord delivered me from them. He went out there with himself and took out a lion and a bear. That's a big deal. That's no small accomplishment. But you know what? By him doing what was necessary when nobody was watching, he's just living his life. He's taking care of his responsibilities, the sheep. And there was an attack, and he dealt with what was before him. That paved the way for the future time when his faith would go public. We don't start. We don't start our faith life in, the, in front of the eyes of everybody else. It's, calling, it's called doing what we need to do today. What is coming against me? What do I need to trust God for? Who do I need to help? In what way can I be used right now by God? And, and maybe no one will ever see it, but you know what it'll do? It'll prepare you. It will it strengthen your heart. It'll strengthen your faith for that time when you've got to deal with something that's twice your size. And you know what? You won't even phase. It won't even phase you. You won't, you won't even think twice. It's like, who is this? I mean, I took out the lion and the bear. This 10-foot monster, is he supposed to be scary? Because David knew the battle was not with flesh and blood. He went on to say that in verse 45. Uh, David said to the Philistine, you come to me with a sword and spear and with a javelin, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defiled. He knew where his confidence was. He knew where the source of his deliverance was. And that's something we need to know as well. How, how do I know that? Well, I need to deal with what's before me today. Instead of just looking at, I'm going to do this great thing. What are you doing now? What do you believe in God for today? In what area are you getting victory in your life, in your family's life, and you're helping people around you? Amen. This prepares us for what we, we, what we don't know. I don't think when David dealt with the lion and the bear, then he knew Goliath was coming one day. He didn't know he was going to have to take out a giant. He's just being faithful with where he's at. Praise God. And you know what? Whatever's on your plate today, whatever's before you, you can handle it. You can handle it because the Lord has given you provision and power to get victory right where you're at. If nobody ever sees it, it doesn't matter. You're developing on the inside. You're walking the walk. You're doing the faith life. And no one can ever take that away from you. There is a principle in God's Word that Jesus taught that things start first the blade, then the 
ear than the full corn in the ear. How something grows and it starts small and increases more and more. We need to recognize that. That wherever we're at, that's what we've got to deal with. That's what we've got to overcome. That's what we've got to have success and victory in. Get some prayers answered today. Even if they're small. Man, that's where things start. They always start there. And they grow and they expand and increase from there. Amen? The Lord wants to help us and take us up in this life of faith. How many are going along? <laughs> Come on. We're going to do this. I mean, praise God. The Lord is enabling us to see these principles so that whatever happens, I don't know what the future holds. I don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. I know I've read the back of the book. I know we win, but a lot in between there, I don't know everything that's happening. But I know if I'm faithful with what's before me today, if I'll deal rightly with what's in my hand now, and I'll, I'll enforce the victory that's mine in Christ with whatever comes against me, it doesn't matter what's in the future. I'm going to be okay. You're going to be all right. We are going to come out victorious. Praise God. Praise God. Father, we just love you today. Thanking you for your presence, your help in time of need. Lord, for, for all these who have come today, Lord, their heart is to do your will. I believe that. Their heart is to do your will, consumed with your plan, your purpose for their lives and for the earth today. And so, Lord, we dedicate ourselves to you, no one else but you. And thank you that this life of faith is doable for us. We can do it today and tomorrow and five years from now. Lord, we purpose in our hearts everything you show us. We act on that. We put it into motion. And we see your hand at work all around us. Thank you for your grace today. What a faithful God you are. We give you all the praise and glory. Let's do your name. Lord, I pray for those who come to church that are not saved. Every person who's come into service today that...